Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another ESL podcast. And today is an investment Monday. <sighs> we got three people. We have some interviewees coming on. No, not me, obviously, interviewing them face-to-face or whatever that may be. But we got like a, let's just call it an in-company type of interview. So we got George Tooley, okay? He's been investing for years, right? He is head of Burlington Wealth Management. We got the first Japanese accent coming on Satoru. I'm sorry, Satoru. Satoru. Oh, man, it's a little hard to do the to and ru right after. But nonetheless, he is with Banking Corporation out there in Tokyo, Japan. And we got Nick Polzone, who I do believe is the king of bullshitting. Oh, my God. This guy's eye contact is absurd. I don't trust this guy one bit. He is head of IPS Financial Solutions. <sighs> with that being said, there are a number of things that may go over your head in this specific thing. It's very difficult to even consider different retirements. Again, I cannot stress enough, although I'm doing this wonderful investment podcast every Monday with you guys, uh, you have to check out what is the most viable solution, obviously, in your country. Again, for my Filipinos who are living out there in the Philippines, for my folks out there in Saudi Arabia, uh, before even breaking into the stock markets and whatnot, you've got to do some research. Luckily, these guys have been able to go into a little bit of detail in regards to, you know, you know, different types of pensions, what the best type of retirement is, uh, the riskiest investments, which are shares, as you see what's going on with Robinhood and what I've mentioned for, <laughs> what I mentioned about in so many, uh, uh, riskiest, to be honest with you, is Bitcoin. Um, and like I've already said, and to see how much Bitcoin has already skyrocketed to, you know, in present day, it's just unbelievable. But again, at some point, that peak is going to come to uh, an absolute freefall. So again, what we have to understand is, okay, our currencies, are they bad for retirement? Are they a bad retirement investment? Uh, what are stable investments in general? Um, you know, is a pension good? Is it good in terms of investing? There's a lot of different things that I'm going to be breaking down. But at the same time, you guys are going to have to, I'm telling you, you can't take my word for it. You know, one person that I love for, uh, following is Marco. He's on YouTube. Marco, again, very monotone. He's not excited like me. There's no one else on this planet like me, but he, he is actually someone who tells it like it is. Um, and I trust him compared to Dave Ramsey. Now, a lot of you may know about Dave Ramsey. And, you know, he was, he was trying to answer a question. You know what? As a matter of fact, before we even get into that, I do want to just share some information with you guys. Because when you ask a question, Dave Ramsey, again, you guys may not know him. And you don't want to know him. But... This guy, I do believe, has half a billion of U.S. dollars, if not more. But if I'm asking you a question, it should be very easy for you to give me an answer. Now, he was asked why he doesn't recommend bonds, although Satoru is a person who says, you know what, I do recommend bonds. So we're going to be getting into this. But Dave Ramsey, he's like a politician. Like, tell me straightforward what you believe, Dave Ramsey. And there was a woman who emailed him a question, and this was his response. So let's listen to this guy and how much blah, 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 mother effing blah he gives us. And this is what scares me 
about different types of people who give out like 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 information and, and try to be of value to some people out there. And considering you know the like to dislike ratio on this video, it just goes to show you that Dave Ramsey he likes to bullshit quite a bit. So here we go. Here we go, guys. Again, the title is Dave explains why he doesn't recommend bonds. So let's go into this and let's see. Because once I start getting confused, this is when I scale back and I call someone out and say, bro, you're not answering the question directly. I believe you're bullshitting. And because I believe you're bullshitting, I'm not going to invest with you. And this is why financial managers and people out there, are they doing it for the best interest of you? Because if not, I, I, just, I just don't see what the point of this is. So let's go into this in detail. If you want to lower the risk of your portfolio move towards bonds for instance as you get older that you would move away from stocks or equities and you're investing in towards bonds I disagree with that but see I I think independently I don't think like everybody thinks and and I actually look at data and I actually analyze things and and use critical thought and here's my thought if you take the bond market and plot it on a graph as it goes up and goes down mm -hmm. and you take the stock market and plot it on a graph as it goes up and it goes down those mountains and those valleys those peaks and those valleys on that graph indicate the volatility of that market over time and if you yes. took say 50 years or 75 years of the stock market you could see how the vol how the stock market goes up and down over a period of years and you could look at the bond market and see how it goes up and down over a period of years. Now, something that is safer would be less volatile. If it is so safe that we move an entire population as it ages out of stocks and into bonds, you would think it would be a lot less volatile. And the truth is, if you take those two graphs and you lay them over the top of each other, there's not a lot of difference. Bonds are less volatile than stocks, but not much. And they don't perform as well. Stock mm -hmm. market has outperformed the bond market over an extended period of time. And the difference in the two, honestly, isn't spit as far as volatility. And so I, you know, and, and the bond market doesn't perform as well as the stock market has over time as an investment for people. Now, I understand pensions play bonds and take a bond position, and I get all of that. But I'm talking about personal financial planning. To always say that you need to move to bonds as you get older is to, uh, to make the assumption, and it's a, it's a bad assumption because it's incorrect data, that the bond market is substantially less volatile than the stock market, and it's simply not. It is less volatile, but not substantially less volatile. So here's what happens. You need to remember when you buy a bond, and let's just do a very basic uh, finance 101 class for a second. Let's okay, buy let's a $10,000 bond that has a 5% interest rate. Okay. While you own that $10,000 bond, regardless of what you paid for it, it's going to pay you $500 a year, 5% of $10,000. That's what you're going to get. Now, as interest rates go up, meaning that people in the market that have money are expecting to get more money on their money because interest rates have gone up. If, they, if you buy the bond in a 5% interest rate environment and the environment moves up, meaning the marketplace now to attract money, 5% will no longer attract money. It now takes 6%. 
Okay. If prevailing interest rates go from 5% to 6%, your $10,000 bond is no longer worth $10,000. Mm, unless you hold it all the way to maturity. Because it is, it, it, you're, the market is saying we want 6% and you only have $500 coming off of this bond. And $500, in order for that to be 6%, means I can't pay you but $8,333 for that bond. If I want to make 6% on my money, I can't pay you $10,000. And there it is, people. Again, in those two and a half minutes... Do you believe you've become even more confused? And this is why it's very difficult. Like, give me a straightforward answer. I don't care about your basic 101 class. I don't care about the stocks and putting these two things over one another and they're going to be relatively this, not substantially. Dave, do this as a beginner, please. This is all too confusing even for me. And if I try explaining it to my wonderful ESL beautiful community, they're going to be even more confused because after those two and a half what the fuck minutes, you have confused not only me, but everyone else who's listening to this by about the umpteenth degree. Because what you're basically saying is, okay, so basically you're taking the debt of you know the government and what you're gonna do they owe you debt and they're gonna be paying you interest and i'm like okay dave okay wait so i go into this bond ten thousand that's it how often do i pay per year do i stack upon that ten thousand or do i just leave it at ten thousand for the next x amount of years okay but then you know it's not going to be the same after you know uh, three years because you know they want six percent you're not willing to pay that so you're going to be only willing to pay eight thousand three hundred but then you're not going to be getting 500 back. You're going to be getting it substantially less. So Dave, what are you talking about? What that? Well, oh, okay. So is this a safe bet? So again, this is, this is why I really wanted to, you know, discuss index funds coming up real soon because it feels like, you know, stocks and bonds are just a bunch of dog shit. Point in case, what happened last year when my executives were walking into my class saying I lost X amount of dollars. Why? Because the, the stock exchange of Thailand was so volatile. It was an absolute, um, what is it? Is it a bear market that goes up or a bull? Whatever goes down, it just fell completely down. But it would be really stupid for them to pull out and to cancel everything because they would have wasted everything. It's kind of like when Bitcoin went from 17000 uh, if I'm not mistaken, $17,000. Yeah, $17,000 a coin. It fell flat at like $4,000 a coin. Now it's probably above $65,000 a coin. Whoever freaked out and pulled out at the very bottom, they're idiots. Why? Because they would have been plus probably up 400% right now if they had maintained that 17,000 plunge when the whole Bitcoin thing was just going crazy. Oh, confusing. And I didn't want to confuse you guys, but again, um, you know, there's so many different things about credit cards too, but I have such a vast, like, uh, you know, audience out there who listens to me. And this podcast alone might have like a hundred countries. So that listen to me like, you know, after the first 90 days. So, oh man. Okay, let's get into George Satoru and Nick. All right.
And then we'll have hopefully an understanding about pensions and risks and all that other good stuff too. So if someone wants to prepare for their retirement, the obvious thing to invest in or save in would be a pension plan. Uh, there are lots of different pension plans available. Um, they're designed as long-term savings plans to uh, generate money for the future. And the main benefit is that you get tax relief uh, when you save in a pension plan. You get tax relief, so you don't get taxed. That's what they say, that's what they say. Do your research, okay? Because pensions, it depends what type of pension you invest in though, Mr. George. Because, you know, when the financial crisis happened back in 2008, everyone's pension went to zero. And then you got these other financial managers saying, oh, well, you weren't supposed to invest into this particular 401k, 401k, you should have invested in this one. No, fuck you. You, excuse my French for everyone out there. You said you were doing it in the best interest of me. So while George has this big, bright smile saying a pension plan, absolutely. <sighs> when the financial shocks happened, and they did during COVID, uh, did my pensions get completely wiped clean? And if they did, are they going to go back up? So again, you're saying that all this money I invested in over the last 20 years is completely gone because everything has fallen apart? Oh, that's not very secure now, is it now, George? So do your research, people. Now let's hear what Satoru has to say. For your retirement, uh, I will recommend a stable investment such as um, a fixed deposit or um, bonds. Uh, because uh, the important things to uh, that is um, not not to reduce the uh, principal amount. Ah, not to reduce the principal amount. But again, what if the market out there says I want from five percent to six percent, like Dave Ramsey was saying? Are you going to continue putting in ten thousand? Because then you might say, No, I don't want to put in the same exact fits, uh, the you know the same exact amount. So you guys might want to look into fixed deposits in your country is what I'm trying to hear, or index funds. Now, again, there's index funds and there, boy, everything is different in every country. But look into index funds, okay? Because this is the less, like this, the volatility with index funds should be bare minimum compared to obviously stocks and bonds and pensions, I believe are the riskiest. But now the question popped up on my screen says, tell us about the riskiest financial products you deal with. Now, this is in regards to the folks that they're you know the riskiest George. financial products that you can invest in are shares uh, shares go up and down in value they're affected daily by uh, events such as uh, political events um, financial events uh, and you have to take a long-term view to make sure you can make gains when you invest in shares one of the riskiest products um, is a structured bond that is uh, that links to some indexes uh, like foreign exchange or stock index. Um, it's it's very risky because uh, when the index changes a lot, uh, the return for the investment uh, reduces a lot. And that's exactly what happened with the indexes within the mortgage-backed securities back in 2008, right? So. Satoru said something very interesting, links. So if you are in a structured bond that's linked with an index and this index value is actually, FICO scores are below half, 
If they go to zero, everything else gets wiped to zero. And this is how Bear Stearns and Lehman and Brothers completely collapse. And the entire world economy collapsed. And it took probably about more than a half decade to get back to what it used to be back, what, what, 2002, 2003, 2004. See what I mean? So be careful with these shares. Obviously, it depends what they're sharing. So, oh, I have shares in this particular company, but it goes up and down, like George has said all the time. So here we go. Let's talk about the methods and data these people use to predict and price change of security. This is going to be really interesting. Predicting the price change say. of security um, uh, is obviously very difficult, and no one has a crystal ball. Um, however, what we try to do is use analytical tools uh, which use past data and try to look forward uh, and give a, a wide and across the wide range of investments in order to try to prevent any future shocks to the investor. To predict the um, change of the uh, security, uh, we use the data from uh, the uh, fundamentals like uh, the financials of the company or uh, the GDP or uh, some basic data of the country. Wow, some basic data of the country. So GDP, stuff like that. This is why, you know, if you put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, such as what happened with the, the very tourism dominant uh, countries such as Thailand. And again, a lot of people say, but oh, tourism only makes up 20% of the, you know, the overall GDP in Thailand. Yeah, and exports do too. Um, and if your main buyer was Myanmar, forget about it. You know, if you look at what just happened with tariffs with China slapping onto Australia, I think it's a 218% tariff on something that was really, really important. I forgot what it was, but they're going to be doing it over the next five years. So China is now engaged in a ridiculous uh, import-export war with um, Australia at the moment. So, oh man, you know, if you're looking at, you know, what if you're investing into something that if it swings one way for one party or swings another way, please do not invest in that. So you always hear with Wall Street, oh my God, based on the Pfizer news. So if you're invested in something, now again, if you're invested in Pfizer from the very, very get-go when they first announced that they said that they were gonna be, or Johnson & Johnson, uh, stocks have probably gone up significantly, but I would absolutely pull out. I would pull out, I'm not exactly sure when, you would have to look at the data and see how much is gonna be climbing, such as what happened with Zoom. You don't wanna be fully invested in Zoom for such a long time, right? You want to pull out when you believe that that's the end. And that's exactly what one of my, uh, uh, one of my students had done with a stock. And I'm going to be seeing her, obviously, tomorrow morning. Every Sunday, every Sunday, I have a business class. She pulls out. And she's like, okay, well, I made my money. I'm getting the hell out of this. And saying that, if politics swing and your price and your money drops, you don't want to be invested into anything like that, period. Right, so now we're gonna be listening to what was the biggest financial shock these individuals lived through. So let's see what George has to say. The first experience I had of a financial shock was when the stock market crashed in one day back in October, 1987. It was a real experience for me. Basically, there were clients who had also experienced it for the first time and the value of their shares went down by about 10% in one day. But oddly enough, it was a real lesson for me because those that were brave enough to buy shares in the days and weeks after the crash 
um, made a lot of money within the next 12 months because the market recovered quite quickly. Um, within a year, the market had reached the levels it was at before it crashed. And the big one was the financial crash of 2007-2008, which was, um, uh, came about due to uh, over-leveraged subprime mortgages, which probably started in the States and were sold around the world, um, uh, resulting in one of the biggest institutions in the world failing, uh, Lehman Brothers. Um, yep. And what that did was that, that sort of really dried up the market for um, lending in particular, you know, let, banks didn't want to lend to each other, people didn't want to lend to banks, and the, the mortgage market and the property market in the, U, in the UK and around the world suffered quite, quite badly, uh, and it took a while for lending to come back, but people who had cash and people who, who had access to limited finance that was available did quite well because property prices were subdued and they've since been rewarded quite handsomely. what Nick had said to top off this podcast. Wow. <laughs> I love how he said, you know, these, these overstated or these overvalued subprime mortgage bonds that pro probably started in the States, <laughs> given the fact he's from England. And it's so funny because, and unfortunate, because they passed those bullshit subprime mortgage bonds around the world. And this is when Greece and Spain and so many other countries had completely fallen apart, except Thailand. Big ups to Thailand. You guys, luckily, you didn't get your hands on any of that egregious garbage that, you know, the, uh, the unfortunate Americas were passing around like it was a game of hot potatoes. Uh, but other countries, they suffered. So, but what do you learn from it? This is the most important thing. And what did you learn from this podcast? This is what I love doing. And this is what I love, you know, when you top off a podcast, you got to look back and say, all right, so what do I have here? Okay, shares, anything that is politically, you know, driven and it goes up and down based on that, you don't want to invest into that. Uh, if you're invested into a company that's barely going public, that could be very, very good. You know, the late Kobe Bryant, he said, before I invest in something, I'm going to talk to the CEO, I'm going to talk to everybody, I want to talk about, you know, talk to the company culture, talk about this, talk about that. You know, there's so many different things that you would want to you that you need to get into so guys this is what this journey is about in regards to this investment podcast because i'm going to be learning a heck of a lot now me being a foreigner i don't think i'm able to you know invest into you know the the stock exchange of thailand um i do believe that i could go into index funds and s p vanguard but i need to do a lot of research before i start doing that all <laughs> but to be honest with you uh, you know, like, like I said in my recent ones, you know, invest in, you know, companies that you like. This is good to, you know, just get started off in. Okay, $50 here, $50 there, $50 here. And just see it go up and down. It's not going to go significantly up. I would never tell anybody to invest into Apple because, of course, their stocks aren't going to skyrocket. And if they do, you better hurry up and pull out. At the time, it does skyrocket, you know. So in saying that, people, ha, ah, there was so much information from the Dave what the hell is he talking about, Ramsey? To having a, finally a Japanese accent on my podcast for the first time in 500,000 million years. Ah, there's still so much to talk about. So with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. So much more to come coming up soon. And you better stay tuned for more. I'm your host, as always, over and out.